Welcome to the 12th episode of the DOS Game Club podcast. Uh, I'm Martijn, Tijn on the forums, and um, I'm not alone. Uh, we're actually with the five of us uh, right here. Um, now, of course, uh, our trusty co-host Florian is with us. Hey, guys. And there's also Philip. Hello. And Richard. Hello. And Otvar is joining us as well. Hello. So, uh, we will be talking about uh, The Incredible Machine, which we've played in December. Am I saying this correctly? I think so. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're going to do, and I'm uh, looking forward to it. Oh, and I also see that some people are joining the, the Twitch channel now, so, yeah, this seems to be working. This is great. Hello, Twitch people. Uh... Yeah, let's go. you i believe who suggested that we play this game uh yes i think i'm i'm, I'm to blame <laughs> well actually uh i just looked it up this afternoon um i think your suggested suggestion was also the very first one ever made uh on the forums excellent uh, do i win a prize or is it uh, uh the, is the, this the prize the pr- this is the prize the prize is that you're here with us to talk yes. about this great game <laughs> so Excellent. No, no yeah i think i think uh yeah if you if you were to ask me uh for the sort of most uh, memorable g- um, dos game this would be a high uh candidate because i spent so many hours uh creating contraptions and incredible machines and uh, obviously always trying to make something loop forever um <laughs> the inf- infinite machine uh but yeah it's, it's one of the games i spent a lot of time with and uh yeah it's it's there was a lot of memories to go with this game, so I thought it was an obvious choice. Yeah, and and uh, a lot of people seem to agree because we got a a huge response on Twitter when we announced that we would be playing this one. So yeah, people are really feeling the nostalgia for this one. I think. Yes. So um, I'm I'm curious. Did you all play it before, or was this a uh, uh, first for you guys? I didn't play it before. I played some, I guess, clone that came a bit later. I don't even remember the name, and it was honestly not that good. But yeah, that's uh, 
that's what I played uh, a few years after this game actually came out, I think. I, for one, played this game so many times <laughs> when I was young and spent so much time in the freeform mode, which we will talk about later, I guess. And I also played like later parts of the game. I played the Incredible Tunes and I still love this game and come back to it sometimes. It still holds up. Oh, sorry for the spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I played the demo back in the day. I think Distorter magazine had like the first 20 levels or something like that, maybe. Oh, there was a demo? Yeah, it was, it was only the same. There was nothing new on it. It was just original levels. It was on a cover disc years back. Oh, I didn't even know there was a demo of it. Well, then I, I did play it, though. Yeah, I played the full game a few few years back, but much, much more recently. Right, right. So um, I think Florian's the only one who uh, who was completely new to this one. Then, wow, <laughs> yeah. So how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was a special kid, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a big game, and uh, you say kid, but I think this is really a kid's game. Is it? I I just remember. I don't know how old I was. I think maybe ten years old, something like that. Yeah. And this game would fascinate me, just building your own machines. I was seven years old when the game came out, and I didn't even have a computer back then. Hmm, that might have something to do with it. Yeah. So, you were a kid as well when you played it, Otvar? Uh, yeah, very much so. And I think it was just that, that idea of you can create uh, some of the, like these crazy machines that are um, uh, you know, just taken out of a cartoon or... You know, something you would see in uh, Tom and Jerry or something like that, where, you know, all this silly stuff that goes on just to put a, a golf ball into a, a bucket or something like that. And it was amazing to be able to recreate the, that in the in the free freeform mode, which um, Philip as well was a fan of. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I remember playing some of the levels, but it never was, you know, a main concern. It was all about um, creating infinite machines and... Doing lots of uh, bad things to cats <laughs> and monkeys <laughs> and fish. Oh, yes. oh the, poor, the poor fish! <laughs> oh, dropping bowling balls on fish. It's oh, horrible. That's so. Did you ever succeed in in building something that loops? Uh, yeah, I think so. But I think if you, if I remember, I, I vaguely remember leaving my computer on for ages and coming back to it, and and usually. Uh, you know, a, a ball or something would would bounce slightly differently and then eventually stop. But I think it is possible ah. to to make something loop forever. Cool. Yeah. Oh yes, it is. I actually managed to do that sometimes. But I mean, those were usually been machines that were basically very boring because they were just consistent out of basically like balls jumping on trampolines and stuff like that. But on the other hand, I really love building machines that would run forever and constantly do the same. That was somehow fun. I don't know why. Yeah, this really inspires the, the young programmer in you, doesn't it? It's like oh, this, yes. uh, yeah. It's like this toolbox of Let's create an infinite loop, the dream of every programmer. <laughs> yeah, it also breaks, you know, the uh, the laws of thermodynamics, so I don't know how, how this physics simulator allows it. Those are those are not trampolines. They just boost, and I think that yes. that explains everything. Yeah, you go no you heat. go higher with each jump, yeah. don't you? There has to be some energy source mm. built into the trampoline. 
<laughs> but you know, never mind. It was it was fun. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, th- I think just the you know the, the kind of silliness of the items you can use. Uh, I think that's the, the crucial thing because you could build, you know, um, a machine with uh, um, lots of uh, levers and um, things that activate. But like, it's all about the uh, lighting candles and into rockets that then fly into cats that get scared and run after the the mouse. And you know, it's just completely crazy cartoony stuff yeah that's, i think that's the the, the crucial bit drop the bowling ball on top of the monkey which starts cycling when he sees the banana that's pulled down from the from the thing and the, there's a seesaw yeah yeah there's also dynamite i think oh yeah it's a lot, <laughs> a lot of dynamite um, yeah and the gun yeah, yeah. just like with lemmings you know the a lot of fun was made with uh lighting a lot of dynamite at, <laughs> at the same time and <laughs> just watching it sort of um render all those explosions and if you would have the add-on you would even have a crocodile mm. ah did you did you play the um, the what's it called the even more incredible machine it's a it's an expansion pack i think yeah so basically if you buy it today you usually get the even more incredible machine, which basically includes the whole game, plus mm-hmm. some added items and some added levels. And this includes some minor stuff like, I think it is a kettle you can boil. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, well, there are all kinds of small things, but they basically don't change the game too much. Right. They just add some more stuff. Yeah. But basically, this thing is the dream of every kid who's into building machines and who loves, well, three examples of this type of machine. The one is basically anything that Doc Brown builds in uh, Back <laughs> to the Future. <laughs> the breakfast machine from, from uh, how is it called, like PV's Playhouse. Or the so-called Rube Goldberg device. They're yeah. Yeah. stupid, ridiculously machines that do very simple things in a super convoluted manner. But it's so much fun. Right. Have, have you Googled Rube Goldberg machines? Um, there's one that yeah. always comes up. That's the self-operating napkin. And it looks exactly like the incredible machine, just in <laughs> yes. black and white. There's even a, a rocket and all those same things. And this this uh, lever thing. And it's crazy. Um, I just uh, encourage people to Google it and you will see this is exactly the game. Yes, absolutely. Just, just uh, like almost 100 years older, I guess. Yeah, I don't know when the the Rube uh, Goldberg uh, comics came out, but um, it's exactly that kind of stuff that I was really fascinated with when I was younger. Just you know, the incredible intricate um, collaboration of you know, and the only thing you actually end up with is uh, wiping your mouth with a napkin or something silly like that. Yeah, um, it's like yeah, it's, it's very it's, cartoony. It's, yeah, it's like the you know the machines where you have a marble that runs and it it goes this long way and then eventually it just it just basically runs down a path and triggers sort of things and it's the same kind of concept this is uh funny to watch yeah um but i, I um just opened up the the manual for the game and, and realized that the whole game is actually set in uh 2051 uh really and uh, yeah professor q who's the uh i guess the uh, uh main character of the game is uh trying to help people to be creative by uh enabling them to build fantastic machines um he, he won't he will never be able to teach some genius but he can help them you know be imitate genius by creating incredible machines huh. that's the the story behind it okay i don't i don't think any of this is actually in the game this whole professor uh, q i've never heard of him 
I believe it's just in the manual. I mean, every game came with a big manual at the time. Yeah, the yeah. If you got it from the store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Next topic, I guess, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> But the manual is is pretty cool anyway. I like the way it was made. Like this this notebook, and you you open it up, and there are all those handwritten notes and some. Uh, ripped off mm-hmm. pages of of some book and it's then taped into the manual. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, and then suddenly some doodles and suddenly some blueprints that are super exact looking and it's really fun. It looks like a madman's handbook. That that's really the essence. <laughs> yeah, that's really the essence. It's just silliness and just fun without any. Uh, yeah, what's the word? It doesn't pretend, yeah, pretentious. It's just, yeah. just plain old, yeah. Just have a toy box, play with it, mm-hmm. do whatever. And I mean, to be honest, I think that's the attraction of the game. If you see something in the game, for example, a rocket, you immediately have the idea of, oh, what is it? What you do with the rocket? You launch it. Of course, it has like a fuse, and you have to light it, and then it goes off. So this game basically almost explains itself. And for those items mm. that don't explain themselves totally right now, for example, what does a monkey do on a like on a bike <laughs> with window mm. blinds in front of him and behind the window blinds there's a banana, then you have a level in the game because what you actually do in the game is you solve puzzles. Right. And a very basic puzzle solving will be done that includes this item you don't know immediately what it does and it basically when you see it for the first time you almost always see it in action and it explains itself so to be honest this is one of the dos games where i'm like okay if you can run the game in dos box don't give the manual a look unless you're mm. enjoying reading manuals because this game so much explains itself yeah and that's actually quite extraordinary um, because a lot of these DOS games, they rely on people reading the manual. And this one having such a, a proper tutorial, that's quite exceptional. There are some parts that are not so easy to understand, though, like um, the generator and the the motor. I think I had problems uh, distinguishing them at the beginning. Hmm, because they look alike. Yeah. Hmm. And in fact, I guess even in real life, a motor is also a generator and vice versa, right? Yeah. But that's so. that's a kind of slightly more serious side of it, where you can actually, I guess, it's more learning about um, uh, motors and and the science behind it, because you got all the electricity uh, part. It's basically one page of electricity items, and then there's one page of um, uh, like the uh, rotating things that you can power, uh, like the what do you call them? You the, mean the belts? The belts. That's the one. Yeah, exactly. And then so there's like yeah. different types of things, and then there's obviously all the things you can light and explode. Uh, so there's like several different types of um, items, but I think the the motors and stuff is is slightly more um, uh, sort of in rooted in reality rather than more of the yeah. fantasy stuff. Um, Less cartoony, also, yeah. Yeah, and then you have the the monkey and um, that kind of side of it, which is very funny or very silly. <laughs> <laughs> it's super silly. That's that's. I think the monkey is the best part of the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he is kind of interesting because you can you can knock knock him on the head if you hit him with a ball or something, which temporarily suspends his um, his movement. You can actually make a really cool uh, machine with that. Yeah, because it's a complex part. Yeah, 
It has several functions, you mean? Yeah, because you could, you know, if you needed a break in something, you could uh, use the um, the ability of uh, knocking the monkey's head <laughs> to your <laughs> advantage. Uh. Oh, oh, just to intervene for a second, for the listeners who don't know what we are talking about, I mentioned this monkey on a bike. What you actually can do with him, you can connect the wheel of the bike to something that is moving. For example, what you mentioned, a conveyor belt. But... To trigger the monkey to make him pedal his bike, you have to pull down the window blinds so he sees a banana and bikes. Mm. And that, I mean, I think this is the most silly uh, item in the whole game, I guess. Because why should he move his bike? He isn't moving at all. And no, but he doesn't I mean, know that. It, it's just pure fun. Yeah, he's just cycling for the for the banana. Yeah, frantically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's 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 at rest, and then he sees the banana, and within a one hundredth of a second, he's like full speed and <laughs> go get me to that banana. It's crazy. So um, we've talked a little bit about how the freeform mode is your favorite mode. It, it seems to be the. Um, yeah, it's a little bit, it reminded me a little bit of GTA, uh, which we discussed in the previous episode, where people, there are actually, you know, missions and puzzles and, and tasks and quests <laughs> to do, but people tend to ignore them and just go for it. And, and this game, uh, it's also a sandbox, I suppose. So it has that uh, similar, yeah, that free form stuff where you just do whatever you like. Uh, which I think is really appealing to children, because that's essentially what they like to do, is just play around. Um, but there's actually also a, a whole other side to the game, which is, well, the, we talked a little bit about the tutorial, but there's also lots of puzzles that expand upon the tutorial. And that you could say that this is actually the meat of the game, is all the puzzles. Yeah, and when you when you mentioned tutorial, there's actually 20 <laughs> tutorial levels, which is quite impressive. <laughs> yeah. But because there's so many parts to explain, mm -hmm. hmm. but yeah, I think the the freeform one is is, is fun. I mean, you could. Um, I don't know if it was ever intended to. You know, you make levels for other people to play because it takes an awful long time to make a level, and part of the fun is just you know uh, trying out different things. And um, I, but I, I'm pretty sure I made levels for my my friends who would then play it. But it, it's more. It's more just the, the the creative process behind it, hmm. and um, one of the things I read uh, while researching uh, this uh, game was someone pointed out that you can't actually set a uh, restriction of which items are available in when you create um, freeform levels, hmm. which kind of drastically reduces the appeal of of creating levels because you always have all the tools, so you can just you know create the solution even even if it wasn't the intended one. Ah. Um, and that's kind of a limitation of the game, but it doesn't really matter because it's just the part, the fun behind creating the level. That's the sort of core gameplay. Yeah, I think I think in in especially in the first game, because this game became a series. Uh, but in the first game, the freeform mode was really intended to be a sandbox where you could just play around. And I think the in the second game they focused more on on making puzzles that other people could play. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, the second game was more uh, multiplayer-oriented anyway. Um, it, it offered a, um, uh, a hot seat mode mm -hmm. where you could you compete against someone else or cooperative. I don't know. I, I haven't actually played it uh, during this month, but I, I did play it before, uh, and I think I even played it more than the first one. 
I think you go, you, you take turns, so you get some time each, and then to try ah, and solve right. the problem. So it's like a yeah, you want to progress the uh, the solution, but you, you don't want to, you know, give it away to the other players. So it's it's a bit of a tactical um, ah. cooperation. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I think I think after the second one. Um, the second one is really the ultimate one where they introduced lots of new features and then all the games after that were just rehashes of of this idea. And I think nowadays this genre is is not really well there's obviously Minecraft of course which is also a sound, a sandbox that's hugely popular with with kids but yeah really this type of game where you build machines specifically and solve puzzles I'm not sure if this is a genre that's still a thing. I would totally disagree. I would say it's a bigger thing than ever. And that this game is basically like the initial starter of so many puzzle games that are now available, but usually not on PC, but on mobile devices. Hmm. There are so many f- games that involve physics and moving around stuff. They're not hmm. always like those machines, like we built them here, but... For me, this is basically the spiritual um, father of basically all of physics physics puzzle games we nowadays play on mobile devices. Oh, you mean like Angry Birds, stuff like that? Well, not, not necessarily Angry Birds, but perhaps and stuff like Where Is My Water and, well, all those games. And there's, oh. how is this called, like something that it looks a little bit like the Incredible Machine, but in the style of everything is being painted in crayons and like basically all kind mm. of physics puzzle games and to be yeah, honest that's true i think the format is perfect for mobile gaming because you can solve a puzzle and if you're done you're done and this perhaps only takes two three minutes there are also modern versions of the game um there's one game called contraption maker on steam Hmm. which claims to be made by the um, makers of The Incredible Machine. I haven't checked uh, who's behind this game, but it looks pretty similar, just a bit more modern. Mm-hmm. So Okay. It is fun. I actually bought it when it came out in 2014. Okay. And, well, if you like the original, you're gonna like it. But, well, for me, it's it has everything better. Better graphics, better items, better controls. But it's not as nostalgic, so mm. I still prefer the old one. Yeah, but but you say, uh, Florian, that the same people are uh, involved in the in the remake, um, and that's what the um, what the Steam description hmm. says. It says the team that created the original Incredible Machine is bringing all of the Rube Goldberg craziness to the modern age. Ah, that's interesting. I, I I haven't checked the team behind it though, so it might be might be a false claim. <laughs> no, no, but maybe we can uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the people um, behind this game, um, because uh, if you start the game, the first thing you see is I think the logo uh, from Sierra Online, who published the game, or actually they're the um, the company who owned the publisher. Uh, because it was published by Dynamics, I think. Um, I've looked it up. It's a little bit uh, complex because uh, it's it's yeah. It, the Dynamics is owned by Sierra, but I'm not sure if Sierra was really involved with anything. They did put their logo on it anyway, but 
I think they just owned the the publisher. Um, and then it was produced by uh, Jeff Tunnell, who has uh, Jeff Tunnell Productions. And it was developed by Kevin Ryan, who seems to have programmed the whole thing on his own. So, yeah, he was the... Uh, if you um, Actually, one of the uh, things in the game is the credits uh, screen. And you can see all the names. But the, it's actually a really small team. It's, uh, it's only a handful of names. And uh, one of the testers is on there and two of the artists. So... It's really, uh, yeah, just a music guy, an artist, a developer, and uh, and a producer, and that's the whole team. Yeah, he, uh, he wrote it in nine months. It says on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, just one man. Impressive, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 crazy, and I think also uh, so they they made the whole thing in nine months, and then uh, the year that the game came out, which was uh, nineteen ninety three. Um, the same year, they also released the expansion, the uh, even more uh, incredible machine. So, yeah, these guys, they really worked hard. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, yeah. So, props to uh, Mr. Jeff Tunnell and Mr. Kevin Ryan. Well done. <laughs> I, I have a question to the studio slash developers. Um or about them. Um, if you start up the game, you hear some footsteps and a small creature walks in and the Sierra logo shows and it's walking in and going tap, 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 tap. Shoo! Yeah. What's up with this creature? Where is it coming from and where did it go to? I know in later Incredible Machine Games, it comes in again, tap, 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 tap and says Sierra. <laughs> But what happened to this creature and where is it from? It's... It's an awesome creature, but is there a backstory about it? Because it doesn't appear in the game. No. Or anywhere I would know where. Maybe in a different game. I don't know. I think we'll have to look up some of the other uh, Jeff Tunnell production games and maybe some of the Sierra games, see if it's if it pops up anywhere. It's, uh, I never thought about this, but yeah, it, it, this character. There are no real characters in the game anyway. I mean, there are the objects that you can place, but there's no other... Uh, there's no... Like this Professor Q that was mentioned in the manual. There's, there's no people in the game. Other than the, the items on the screen. Well, so there is a small man, if I am not mistaken. A small man? But it's not like a character. It, it's also an item. Yeah, exactly. What do you mean, a small man? You mean the monkey on the bicycle? Oh, uh, no. If uh, I hope I don't mix this up, but I think there was, like, in the even more Incredible Machine add-on, there was this crocodile, mm. and also as an add-on, like, a small man. But perhaps I'm mixing this up with the Incredible Tunes. Mm. So, I played too many Incredible <laughs> Machine games, I guess. Um... Yeah, I actually found a cool uh, uh, interview with uh, with Jeff Tunnell where he talks about how the game uh, came to be. So I'll I'll link that in the post when this uh, episode goes online. Uh, but yeah, he explains basically the the thing that Otvar mentioned about the game being developed in nine months by a single guy. It's really cool. And right now, uh, Jeff Tunnell seems to be involved with the uh, Torque game engine. I'm not even familiar with it to be honest, but apparently it's a 3D, it's a 3D open source game engine. So oh really, I, I was just looking at his uh, Wikipedia page, and it says he 
on March 22nd, uh, 2017, he announced his retirement from game development, citing market saturation. <laughs> oh. So, oh. games are dead, apparently. It's so unfortunate. Uh. Um, it's interesting. It's very no, interesting, I, though, because... Um, it's the yeah. opposite. But um, the, it also <laughs> says that the game he worked on after The Incredible Machine was uh, Betrayal at Crondor. And uh, mm-hmm. that I don't know if you guys have played it, but that's definitely going to be uh, another suggestion from, from, from me for Dos Game Club, because that is a really good game. That's uh, an adventure game, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's an uh, RPG. Ah, right. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, it seems he was credited for Contraption Maker, According to Wikipedia, yeah, I think basically they um, they had lost the uh, the name, but they you know you can't steal the idea, so they um, they build it as a spiritual successor to the Incredible mm. Machine games, right? And I think the other guy as well, Kevin Ryan, was yeah. also uh, joining on that. Yeah, nice. Ah, oh, that's nice. One of the things I was going to say though, I think um, even though I didn't probably appreciate it as much uh, back in the day. You know, the game comes, even the first game comes with like 80 puzzles. Yeah. Uh, and, and they are all very diverse. Like the, the detection of, you know, whether you win it or not is quite cool. Like uh, there's one level where you have to explode three out of four balloons. And then there's another level where you have to make sure no balloons explode. So it's not just like, you know, get something from A to B. Yeah. There's a lot of different win conditions and um, a lot of different types of challenges. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that must have been hard to program. Yeah, I like all the wind conditions. So it's just like uh, it's not just um, to you know get this uh, sprite to the corner or something like that. But uh, also, you know, there's a lot of different uh, ways of solving the, the the puzzles. Like it's not just you have to you know put this particular thing in that particular place. You can you can usually at least in the more advanced ones, the, when you get a bit more items, you can usually explode your way to victory. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if I maybe I didn't get far enough to really get to this point, but I did feel that it was a bit. Um, well, there was in my uh, experience there was a single solution in mind when uh, I was playing this, but probably in mind. But I think it gets once you get enough items, you can usually. I mean, that's kind of maybe a part of the. The challenge, or like, I I would try and w- and look for the alternative solution just because that's more fun. But um, mm. usually, if you have some more items, you can usually. Uh, I mean, you might need to get the the cannonball to bounce like perfectly off the edge of a you know another item or something. But that, that's kind of part of the fun. Ah. I think. Oh yeah, I think you can, or I don't think I know you can <laughs> sometimes take some weird shortcuts. Let's say you have to. Bring a cannonball into a bucket, and the I would say official solution would be to transport it all over the level. But you find out, well, if I take the scissors, which I need to, I don't know, like cut loose a balloon and place it in a way so the cannonball actually bounces off and directly bounces where it needs to go, and I only need the scissors to solve the whole puzzle. <laughs> this is sometimes really a oh place the scissors in a pixel perfect way but exactly what you said sometimes it's like a wait a second this could work too hmm that's interesting um did you encounter this as well richard because i believe if i've read your forum posts correctly 
that you've played every single puzzle. Uh, well, well, yeah, I didn't do the, I didn't have the expansion, so yeah, I did about, I did the, oh, okay. I, I did the eighty odd levels. So. Oh, just just the eighty. <laughs> <laughs> Eighty-seven. Yeah, that was it. So, yeah, def- definitely. I mean, that's all. I mean, you tend to have to be pixel perfect if you're going to go for that solution. That's, you know, when you when you're doing it, you're not always quite sure which is the intended solution. So you're not sure whether you're just not placing things right. So I think the levels I struggled with the most. Mm-hmm. It's where you sort of I sort of work my way back from where it's whatever condition you're trying to meet as a rule. And sometimes you just get it the wrong way, and you're just tweaking things, and you have to try something completely new. And you're there an hour of tweaking later, and you still can't do it. <laughs> right? Did you um, did you find that these shortcuts that were talked about? Did you did you find any of those? Oh well, yeah. Even the last level. I mean, you can do the last level with about three or four pieces instead of some incredibly convoluted route you're supposed <laughs> to do, which I probably never managed to be quite honest. So yeah, yeah, it goes right up to the very end. Ah, that's great. It's almost like the uh, most difficult levels are when you've um, you got a lot of different items, but you don't know which one to use. Yeah, they're almost hard. The levels are kind of harder in the middle. They kind of get a bit easier at the end because mm-hmm. you get a, few, a lot less items and it's just a lot less options open to you yeah it's the uh, oh right the, the the problem of of too much choice yeah this is it um sometimes i was not even sure if the intended way was to go all the way um through the level or if they actually wanted us to think about um only using a small portion of a portion of the screen even um there was one example that i found very funny and interesting that was level 48 and you get the whole screen is full with pipes and it says um uh, what's it actually about? It makes it says make make the monkey uh, bike, and you think you have to go through all those pipes and and pass a tennis ball and and whatever. And it, I thought about it for an hour or so, and I couldn't come up with a solution. <laughs> and then it turns out I just need to place a trampoline and a rocket on top of the trampoline right next to the monkey, and it works. And it took me like an hour to figure that out. Ah. So. I'm not even sure if that is the um, intended solution, or and the rest is just decoy. Or I, if I think I, I worked my way through the level on that one, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I felt really clever, but now I don't. <laughs> so you have, you have this, you have this this teeter totter right in right at, uh, on top of the monkey. Yeah, that is um, directly connected to the window blinds, and you just put a trampoline right there and then you put a rocket on top of the trampoline mm. the rocket drops down bounces on the trampoline and pushes the lever up and releases the monkey yeah i know i know what you mean um okay so actually one of my complaints if 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 that's a the good word but but i was feeling that maybe there weren't too many uh different solutions possible but it, that seems to be not the case uh Maybe maybe it's just that I didn't find many different different ones, but it seems that the different ones are possible. So that's actually pretty interesting. I guess the game comes from, at the beginning, you have the exact amount of very obvious to be placed parts. Then later on, you get so many parts, it's not too obvious anymore. Mm. And I mean, if you design a game like this and you want to be really evil, give the players parts he probably does not need, but feels, oh, the, those could be really useful, but in the end are not. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what was mentioned earlier, that actually giving you all the items makes it harder. Um, which is Which is interesting when you think about what we talked about earlier in the freeform mode where you would design puzzles for um 
for other people. And then you weren't able to limit the set of items used. But actually, now we're saying that, that having more items makes it harder. So maybe that's that's not even a bad feature. Maybe it's a good feature that you can just th- give someone all the options and let them figure it out because that's actually the hardest. But I guess if you have two or if you have all the parts in unlimited quantity, then you can just, I mean, then you can just make the thing happen that you want to happen by mm. building exactly a thing that will just drop into place as intended, you know? Mm. Yeah, maybe. So yeah. You, have, you have to have some limit, I guess. Yeah, that's true. So what do you think of the puzzles? Are they, are they well designed? Are they... Is, is are there enough? Are there too many? What's uh, what do you think? I have mixed feelings about them. Um, some of them, those that I came up with clever solutions for, I liked. I really liked basically all of those. And then on some of them, you which we said before, you have those this pixel perfect placement, mm. uh, and I really hated those. But maybe that's just because I didn't find uh, a more clever solution to those puzzles. I think uh, some of the uh, pixel perfect solutions, well. Maybe maybe it's not the same levels, but I think some of them have quite clever way of restricting what things you can put where. For example, you have a gun, but you can't put it where you want because there's no space for it. And I think they're deliberately um, putting other things in the way so you can't uh, go for a cheap solution. You need to kind of work your way around it. Um, and I think just another point was, um, I think it's quite cool that when you start the game, you, you have access to 48 or 47 levels, I think. And um, there's a total of 87, I think we said. Um, so you actually have, you know, a lot of levels to to, to play before you have to uh, win every level to to get to the next one. So that that's quite nice. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to play every level to get to the next one. You can you can choose freely from the whole first set, and then the next levels they unlock. Uh, how how do they unlock really? How does this work? Is it by score or something? Or I think you just have to solve, right? I think you have to win each one from the 48th uh, onwards, but um, correct me if I'm wrong. All right. Yeah, okay. I mean, uh, Richard, you <laughs> you did the, the, the deed. Uh, how did you do it? <laughs> uh, well, I just played them one by one. I, could have, I don't remember it having 48 <laughs> unlocked, to be honest. I, don't, I wonder if that came in with the expansion pack. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it 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 was like you said yeah. for me as well. It it had uh, about fifty available right away, and then you had to play them one by one. But I didn't notice if more would unlock or what, or if it just was the one that you could continue. Yeah, no, because I looked at the um, the points as well. Because that would be quite a clever way to go f- to do it. But uh, um, in terms of the beginning levels, I think the it's quite well done. Like there's uh, different wind conditions. It's kind of builds up easily. Like it starts off quite easy, and then it gets slightly more complicated. It introduces all the items, except for the first level, which is hmm. I think overly complicated for a first level. You have to like put three belts on, and and even if it's the same item, it's it's it should just be you know put this monkey here or put the ball in the top to trigger something. So I think they, they got that wrong, but um, yeah. apart from that, it's quite a good build-up. Yeah. One thing I want to throw into our discussion is basically the controls. Because uh, for me, going back to old games, which I still love, for example, The Settlers. It's a great game, but it has weird mouse controls. <laughs> yes. You use left and right button at the same time to do certain stuff. In this game, they almost nailed 
everything in my opinion like left so. click to select uh, stuff left click to drop it the only weird thing right is right click to cancel the whole game <laughs> right that right click takes you back to the menu but your progress is safe so you're yeah, safe that's that's true but so apart from the right click they nailed everything huh? yeah uh, not exactly i think um i think lots of stuff works really good like the uh like uh, when you select an item you have an, an, a small icon to turn it a small icon to throw it into the garbage And, of course, there would be room for improvement. For example, I guess you would nowadays do the turning when you have it still selected, move it around, click right, right mouse button to turn it instead of, like, going back to the menu. But still, it's not too much of a hassle. How would, But how was it for you? Because I love this game. Um, sometimes I, I had problems placing the part that i wanted to turn because i just didn't have space so i had to move other parts out of the way first uh, mm. so that i couldn't could place the one that i wanted there so then i could uh, turn it around and then place it correctly and then replace all the parts that i had to move before that happened to me once or twice i think but is that really so bad i mean it does make you feel like you're really building this thing um yeah One of the things I really like is that you you're not restricted to a grid or something. You can uh, put the, the 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 toys or the items wherever you want. It's not like you you have you know 64 squares and then you, that's that's your mm. options. And uh, yeah, obviously that makes it sometimes that uh, it's uh, infuriating when you get a pixel wrong. But uh, it, I think that's a lot of freedom for the player, which is good. Mm. But there are some parts where you have uh, where where you are limited to a grid, like all the blocks and the conveyor belts and the gears, they are all limited to some kind of grid. I think maybe yeah. 8x8 pixels or something like that. Yeah, because they align also. You can make uh, these these tracks with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think the only thing I had with the interface was sometimes you had to put stuff right off the, slightly off the edge of the screen. So you had to sort of grab it by the edge, sort of one side, so you couldn't drag it off the screen, if you know what I mean. Ah. Yeah, I, I, I had to do that too, yeah. Could you uh, could you lose an object like that? Uh, well, no, I always left a tiny bit on the screen, so yeah, you could get it. Ah, right, yeah. Ah. yeah but you, you cannot move the mouse out of the screen, so and you always mm. grab your item with the mouse, so I guess you cannot mm. possibly move it out of the whole gaming area. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh I uh... just tried it out. I, I have to post a link. I, I guess I'm going to send out a tweet how it looks. Because you can actually, uh, in the first level, if you just started, you can grab the... Um, the mouse inside the cage, which is, mm -hmm. if you hit it, it's running and therefore producing momentum. You can actually grab it by the right upper corner of the box and move it to the left lower corner of the game. And there it is really small, <laughs> like the part that still remains on screen. But you can grab it without any problems. Yeah. I guess it's like eight by eight, pex <coughs> eight by eight pixel is what remains on the screen. Right. Um, but yeah, we talked a little bit about how some objects are aligned to a grid and, and some are uh, freely placeable. Um, now, you could say that there is a grid, which is just the, the, the resolution of the screen. But actually, the, the resolution of this game is quite high. So I thought maybe we can talk a little bit about the, um, the graphics. Um, because this game was released in 1993. Um, yet it runs at, at an impressive 640 by 480, which is really quite uh, a quite high uh, resolution for... But it's 16 colors only, so that's one of the basic VGA modes. 
that was yeah. available since 87, basically. Yeah, so basically the, the EGA colors, is that correct? Um, no, I think you can select the colors in the VGA palette. I'm not 100% sure about that, though. It's, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the full VGA palette, definitely, any 16. Hmm, right. But it's still only 16 colors uh, used at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but still, an impressive, uh, impressively high resolution for the time. Uh, for example, uh, Command and Conquer, which we've also played, which was released in uh, 1995, I think that runs only 320 by 240, if I'm correct. But it's it's high color, I think. This is also why I um, remember this game exactly like it, it played in, in my DOS box, because I didn't uh, change any of the settings, which is kind of, you know, uh, laggy and everything takes a long time to load and moving things and like even just bouncing the balls of the trampolines takes you can see the bounce coming and you have to wait for it to land but that's part of uh, the uh, experience as i remember it so obviously i'm not going to change it ah so it runs sort of in slow motion Mm -hmm. yeah but it doesn't run terribly fast anyway i think uh i mean you can you can increase the cycles of your dos box of course but i'm not sure if it ever really runs super fast uh, I don't think it's intended to, no. Yeah. I had it on a, I was running it on a Pentium 2 and it was definitely a bit fast. <laughs> yeah, was it? Machine. Was yeah. it too fast? Uh, well, the machines, everything runs all right. The machines were a bit quicker when you set them off, but that's kind of a benefit, really, if you're doing trial and error like I was after time. Yeah. Okay, so, oh. so the game runs faster on a faster machine. <laughs> uh, it's a bit old school, isn't it? <laughs> Um, you, you said the graphics were impressively high resolution for the time. Yeah. Um, I just checked again when SimCity 2000 <laughs> was released, which was our episode three game. Mm-hmm. It's from the same year and it has uh, the same resolution, actually. And I think it looks quite a bit better, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe this resolution was starting to become uh, the default by the time. No, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, the the Colors, when I'm looking at the screenshot of SimCity 2000, this might actually be 256 colors. Yeah, so that's a super VGA mode. Yeah, I guess it is. But a game that actually featured the same graphics mode, as far as I know, is Syndicate, because it had 640 by uh, 480 and only 16 colors. Oh, mm. really? And again, with this game, it's it benefits from having so much space and clear single items it's not that important to have this huge amount of colors i guess yeah it was it was usable the graphics worked very well i think they were not the most beautiful in the world but they made the game work actually yeah exactly i, I couldn't imagine this game at a lower resolution to be honest i mean they, they could have they could have gone for 320 by by 200 um, but then 8-bit color and i think it would not have worked at all no because it's it's pretty cartoony anyway so the low color it sort of works. And then the resolution really helps with, you know, the detail of the machine. So, yeah, I think it's good. I, and I think it looks pretty good as well, to be honest. But maybe I'm just used to it. I don't know. But, yeah. No, I think I think it's pretty good. Like, if you look at the animation of the cat, it's, it's pretty good for, a, you know, pixel pixel game. 16 colors. And uh, the, the, the little fishbowl breaking that looks, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's... I don't know. I think it's all right. I think there was also a Windows 3.1 version of the game. And from that time, I guess all the games looked more or less like that. So it fits right in there, I guess. Hmm. Yeah, it does sort of have that icon look. Yeah. 
Um, so that's the graphics. Um, there's also sound, of course. Um, in fact, there's uh, both digital sound effects uh, and there's MIDI music, uh, as was quite common with games in that era, I think. Um, and there's quite a lot of music, isn't there? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a pretty... Well, yeah, maybe, maybe it's um, because you tend to play this sort of game for hours on end, so maybe they, you need a lot of music in order for it not to be repetitive. But it's still pretty impressive. They made this whole soundtrack. The thing is, the, the music is... Uh, there's no like, theme on it. There's just all the kinds of mu- music styles you can imagine. Like it's, there's mm. a bit of you know, um, country uh, rock thing and to... Um, a lot more like classical music into the classic fusion style of these games, but I think the music is really good. It's just um, very diverse. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me a bit of games like well, SimCity actually also has this. Uh, well, it maybe has a bit more of a coherent style, but it it also has this sort of yeah, I don't know. Like there's a like there's a CD playing, and you just play along, and different tracks play in the background, and it's all you just yeah. It's not really that um, there's a big connection between the music and what's happening in the game. There's just there's just music playing. Maybe we can just listen to some of the songs that are in the game. Oh, you've actually yeah. prepared some uh, some samples. Yeah, we we uh, I asked some of the DOS Game Club members which one which songs from the game they prefer, and uh, I, three came out of the vote, and I prepared them so we can hear to listen to them. Oh wow. Well, uh, let's, DJ let's, Florian, let's, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let, let's play some sounds. I really enjoy this song. I don't know about you, but this one really gives me the the tinker feels. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it's what is it? It's sort of rock music in MIDI style. It's like yeah. a guitar solo. That's what they try to do. It's it's very rock music, right? Yeah, it makes me want to uh, work on a on a car or something. <laughs> like a... On a cl- on a classic nineteen uh, sixty yeah. something Mustang or something like that. Uh, summer car. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Are we going to just play another one? Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's so different, right? Yeah. I'm not even sure what genre that should be. Uh, it's sort of a, a classical thing or something, I suppose. It's, <laughs> mm-hmm. It sounds like early 20th century piano music oh, or something. Yeah, yeah it, it, to me it sounds like, oh, we... It, and I don't want to be rude, I like the soundtrack very much. But it sounds a little bit like, oh, we need one more track. Oh, let's take a song that it's in public domain <laughs> because it's so old and just do our own rendition of it. Yeah, it's, but I like it. I wonder what instructions they gave to the composer. <laughs> Good because question. It's it sounds like make whatever you know, 
Make make songs, whatever. <laughs> it also means there's something for everyone in there, right? Mm, maybe that was the idea. Yeah. So so do, do we know if there was a, a single a single composer for all the tracks, uh, or is it? Uh, I, think, I think there were three or four, weren't there? Which might explain it. Ah. I I think there's a single person credited for this game, but let me look it up. Yes, Christopher Stevens is his name. Hmm. <laughs> he com he uh, composed all of them uh, according to some wiki page. <laughs> yeah, see, this is it was a tiny team, so he just spent the whole nine months making MIDI music and uh, without any direction apparently. <laughs> Oh, hang on. <laughs> Sierra Music uh, Central suggested Christopher Stevens and Tim Clark, so uh, let's not jump to conclusions. Okay, what happened to Tim Clark? Because oh, I just didn't, it just didn't get any credit, you know. It was ah, because Christopher Stevens, he uh, he did the music, but he also did the sound effects. Oh, okay. So he did all the, yeah, he did the whole sound department was Christopher Stevens. Um, should we play another one? I hope we have another one. I just played it in the background. Um, I can play it again. Oh, I didn't hear it. It sounds like like techno, but by someone who doesn't listen to techno. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, I didn't I didn't get that feeling at all. I mean, the the lead voice this that that makes me it, it's give, gives it's giving giving me a quiz show feeling rather. Ah, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Come on, this this game is from before techno. This is from '93. Ah, but techno was in '93, surely. Techno of course, is in Europe. Yeah, in I'm Europe, pretty sure. Was, maybe not in America. <laughs> Just a question: Did yeah. any one of you listen to the soundtrack with the MT32? Because I fired it up with the MT32, and to be honest, I don't know if it's just because it's not. It feels not made for the MT32. Or if it's, I'm just nostalgic for the old soundtrack. This, what you just played, sounds better. Hmm. To me. Well, maybe, doesn't uh, the MT32, uh, it doesn't support general MIDI, I think, right? Yeah, you're right. But I think you can actually set it to play for the MT32. Oh, really? It does, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I played it on MT32, actually. So, wow. It always sounded quite like the soundtrack, in all honesty, we just heard. Huh. It did. It came with general MIDI support straight out of the box. I'm guessing it was written for that in mind, rather than the MT32. And it just, you can like patch the MT32 to hmm. with a general MIDI sound bank, so it sort of copies it. Right. Which is probably what they did. Yeah, that's interesting because often it's the other way around. Often the composer specifically targets the MT32 because that's what he uses himself. And then the OPL is just an afterthought. But this is, uh, yeah, well, it does sound quite good. The OPL uh, one, the the yeah, the FM synth version. It's it's definitely not the worst sounding uh, MIDI soundtrack I've heard. 
You know, the snag with the MT3, there's no way of getting digital sound at the same time, so it's music and no sound effects if you're going to go for that. <laughs> at least on the one I played. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the graphics and the sound, I think, unless there's something else to talk about. Nope. Not not all at once. Come on, guys. <laughs> no, I think we covered it quite well. I mean, there's not yeah. so much to say about the graphics and the sound. It's not a graphics and sound-based game. though. I, no, I, that's true. That's I, true. It's really... Uh, yeah. I just saw it's that someone really <laughs> I just saw that someone had uh, posted um a review of the game from back in the day that quotes um for the 3DO version which is a game console from also 1993 mm. or something around that um that says that the game is that the controls are too slow be, due to the lack of mouse support but that it is nonetheless better nonetheless better than the PC version due to the dramatically improved graphics and sound. Uh, hmm. I don't think this statement makes any sense yeah. at all. No. Oh, it's th 3DO and they're trying to kid themselves, I think. Yeah, that's the thing, because these 3DO games, they were, they were really expensive, though. So I think, I think maybe people were just justifying the, the enormous cost, saying, oh, yeah, but look at the graphics. Oh, yeah, it's so worth it. But Have you seen the graphics of this? It in my opinion, like the icons are somewhat cute and they are huge because you're going to watch them on a television. But just the colors alone, they look really horrible, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah. Like the 3DO version. I haven't seen it, actually. It's funny, though. When you're searching for uh, like boxed copies of the game... Mm -hmm. Um, the PC version is almost impossible to find for a decent price on eBay. There, Every once in a while there's one copy and sometimes they even sell for like 20 euros or less. But the 3DO version is all over the place. You find tens of them uh, at any mm. given time on eBay, I feel. That's, yeah. But isn't that just because people are wanting to get rid of them? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I think 3DO games are collectibles too. <laughs> mm, okay, okay, okay. If you say so. Um, yeah, speaking of reviews, uh, because this 3DO review is clearly a bit ridiculous, uh, but I think in general, uh, the reviews were quite favorable. Um, I've got a quote here from Computer Gaming World from 1993, so that's the year that the game came out, uh, and they are really, really praising the game, uh, they say it's uh yeah they also it's interesting they also talk about how this uh re uh reawakens your inner child because i think that's really what the game boils down to so yeah it it they say uh the curious tinkering 10 year old is reawakened giving a digital toy box set and loose in the backyard of his own mind and uh, one of the most innovative and deceptively addicting products to pass this way in quite a while so, yeah, I suppose it is quite, well, is it, is it uh, innovating, this game? It's quite different, that's, that's for sure. And it spawned lots of games that cloned it, so I guess it, it, it should hmm. be called innovative, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny because I, I did read uh, that they actually wanted to make this game in the 80s already. Um, and there were other sort of similar things coming out at the time. Uh, titles such as uh, Pinball Construction Kit, which is uh, where you could make your own pinball machine from parts. 
Um, so actually, they've been planning to make this game in 1984 already for the Commodore 64, but it didn't happen. Wow. I think... Yeah, it doesn't sound like the C64 can do that kind of thing. Well, maybe maybe that's one of the reasons. And, and maybe, uh, yeah, by 93, the, the PCs were powerful, not powerful enough to to do this comfortably uh because it does it it's hard to imagine this on the on the c64's uh screen resolution and computing power if i'm not totally mistaken i remember a game that is quite similar to the incredible machine and it has to be on a c64 or machine like that like from that time but it was super simplistic it basically mm. was like i would say like th maximum four items and there were just four placeholders and you just could place one of the four items and then an action would happen or if it was the wrong item at that position it would end and you you could try again so no freeform mode, no placing the parts yourself. Just select which part you want to try here. Mm. And in the end, I mean, you still have the, oh, I have five pieces, one after the other. And in, uh, in composition, this is a machine that does something funny. But this does not by far compare to this game. Yeah. Yeah, you really need the complexity of all these different parts to make it interesting, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And in terms of the um, yeah the reviews, the, it also in 1996 uh, was uh, rated a 62nd best game of all time. Oh, that's that's yeah. quite impressive. By the same magazine, by the way. Yeah, Computer Gaming World was really yeah. uh, thrilled with with this game. Um, although I also read that um, no, actually, no. Uh, Scratch that. That's I. I was <laughs> going to say something about a different game. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I heard this game is really bad. <laughs> ah. um, but uh, the, the interesting thing there was that it's uh, that was in '96, so only three years after it was released, it was scored as uh, one of the best games ever. That's uh, impressive. Yeah, yeah. People are really. I, we noticed this on Twitter already. People have really, yeah, fond memories of this game and. Uh, Maybe it's also because it's so unique, you know? It's 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 different mm. from all the other things they played. So when you remind people of this, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is really something special, I think. To be honest, again, I think this game still holds up quite well. Because mm. what would you want in a more modern version of this game? I mean, obviously, there are some. But actually, you don't want much more parts because... Then it gets more complex and not as much fun. So I think almost everything you want from a game like that is already there. Hmm. There are basically no real limitations, to be honest, in my opinion, for that game that keeps me from playing it. Besides, oh, it's a little bit low resolution nowadays and the controls could be just a little bit more better. And But besides from that, it still holds up for me. Hmm. Anyone has thoughts about this? How it holds up, or, or would you would you recommend it now to other people? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's uh, still fairly unique. I mean, there is Contraption Maker on Steam, say, but that that is by the same developers. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm going to definitely try out Contraption Maker because I don't I haven't tried it, but uh, it's probably just the same the same uh, game with better graphics. But I, I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, like the, it's not actually about you know solving a puzzle really. It's more just the the creative process of of creating a puzzle, which mm. I think is the best part. Uh, and you could just easily you know create something funny and then you know get it working, and that's enough uh, entertainment. Like you don't actually need to clear a level or you know progress in the game it's just actually creating something that um you can then later on just you know delete <laughs> ah, so it's also um it's really a play thing for for game developers where they can just make their own yeah put their own ideas into reality without all the the actual you know development yeah, and I think if if I was to make something similar to this, I would uh limit the the number of things because I think this the more things you add, like the more items you add, the more complicated it gets. If you if you only had, you know, a few options of uh, items to place, then it's more of a game. But because there's so many things, it's more of a open ended, you know, sandbox or playbox. It's, it's more or less like, you know, having a big box of tool of toys that you can combine into something funny. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, Richard, sh- since you played the whole thing. Uh, you have the best. Uh, well, you 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 know the game the best, I think. Uh, so so, what are your thoughts on on this whole? Yeah, yeah. I think I think I have every. Well, I mean, the last game we played on the Nightmare Three D. I think it was probably more dated when it came out than this is now. I reckon. And I think Nightmare is even newer. I think that's from from ninety four. I think. Because this is never about the graphics. It's, I mean, the yeah. puzzles hold up as well as they ever did. Mm. And the interface is perfectly usable. It could tweak it slightly, but it holds up really well. Yeah. Yeah, and especially these these early 90s DOS games, they're not known for having a really slick UI. No, because I think, I mean, something like well, one of my favourites, Ultima Underworld, that came out that year. I mean, it's practically impossible for... <laughs> These strange mouse controls where you're using one mouse button to navigate all around the screen and no WASD and all that. Yeah. Whereas this, they pretty much nailed it straight off. It's, it's almost like it was written for Windows or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really impressive. Um, do you think it holds up, uh, Florian? Um, actually, I think it does. Um, I wouldn't recommend playing it um, from beginning to end, um, trying to finish it, but uh, I actually have it uh, still installed on, on DOSBox. I, this is one of the games I actually played in DOSBox instead of a real computer Aww. because I can just because I can just start it uh, for a few minutes while while making taking a break from what I'm actually doing. Uh, maybe finish one puzzle and then quit it again. And then maybe an hour later or ne- next day or something like that, I open the next uh, puzzle and, uh, yeah, so I just keep it around and instead of playing Solitaire or whatever, <laughs> I'm just playing The Incredible Machine now. Ah, yeah. So it's... Uh, but, well, this... this this um, uh, Philip mentioned before that this really is a lot like those mobile games that are, you know, the the physics ones. And I think they are casual in the same way that you just play them on a the break... Uh, so this game is really, uh, yeah, predates that stuff, and it's really, uh... yeah, and it's it's perfect for that. I mean, you have you have to get over the not so great graphics and that the controls are a bit weird, but once you get used to that, it's it's a really decent game still today. Um, maybe I, I would wish for some more interaction between the different items, but um, yeah, I guess hmm. it's still fun without that. Right. Okay. 
Um, someone in the Twitch uh, chat uh, mentioned Fantastic Contraption, which I think is a different game from the one that we mentioned uh, on Steam, right? The That's not the remake that we talked about from the same developers as The Incredible Machine. No, that's actually called Contraption Maker. Contraption Maker, so right. it has to be a different one. But yeah, it sounds like... Th mm. This looks to me like a 3D... Well, build your own items and have them moving in around in a some kind of sandbox environment. Yeah, I think it's actually a virtual reality game. Yes, yeah. yes. Ah, oh. but but sort of the same idea that you just place these parts and make a yeah make a, a fantastic contraption. I sh I suppose. <laughs> But it, it it kind of goes back to what Philip said in the beginning. You know, I, I think some something like uh, Cut the Rope on mobile, which is not the same kind of game, but it still has the same kind of physics mm. and lots of weird objects, balloons interacting with things, and also something like um, that uh, the Bridge Maker game. I forget what it's called, but you you build a, br a bridge yeah. and then there's a car that needs to drive over it. The kind of same kind of physics. Is it actually called Bridge Maker? <laughs> Is it just called Bridge Maker? Yeah. <laughs> bridge Builder. Yeah, there are loads of these bridge games. Bridge, yeah. And it's a kind of same concept. You're like you have, you know, some rules of uh, of uh, physics and you want to uh, try and create something that will hold up even 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 though it doesn't have to be a perfect bridge. Yeah, definitely. It feels it it plays a bit in the same way also with the puzzle uh setup and everything. It's uh yeah, a poorly bridge is the one I was th thinking about, but there's a there's a bunch of them. Um, uh, yeah, there's loads of yeah. these games. I think there are there's there are so many other games that also fall into the same genre. Maybe um, does anyone remember this strange Finnish game called Dare Dismount, uh, which has a crazy Finnish unpronounceable name too, where you have a ragdoll standing on top of a stair and you just have to punch it in a way that it drops down the stairs and then you inflict the most damage possible. Um, that that reminds me a lot of of the of the same mechanics because you have to deal with the physics and plan how things uh, act out on the way down the stair. Hmm. Does anyone know that game? I've never heard of it even. Was this just this game with a man um, with this mannequin standing on a huge set of stairs and you push it down? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it. I know it. It was a hilarious game at the time. <laughs> yeah, basically, like physics is the game. Hmm. Yeah. And I think they made even a sequel to that, where you have to crash a truck against a block, and then the driver will fly out, and you have to damage the or hurt the driver as much. It sounds way more cruel than it is because it's only uh, like uh, flat shaded graphics or uh, very close to that, so it's not very graphic. Hmm. Oh yeah! By the way, if you, as a listener, want to play something with your kid, the Incredible Machine is. Probably a better idea than our last episode with GTA <laughs> or what you just mentioned. Totally. This game is for 10-year-olds or less. I even. mean, besides violence against goldfish and mice, uh, well, there's nothing really going on in terms of violence in this game. So no. There was no level where, where the mouse was hurt that I remember. Is there a level where you hurt the mouse? You can't really hurt him because he's in the cage, right? Ah, but he can he can he can be caught but by the cat. Yeah, can be cool. eaten. Hmm. Right. But then it just dis disappears and it makes like a hmm. sound or something like that. Yeah, but then otherwise the cat starves. I mean, that's right. sad as well. That's nature. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not not in the game. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I think this game holds up really well, especially for young... For Yeah, it, it brings out the kid in you, but also for actual kids, I think this game is really, really great. Um, yeah, and it's as it's, it's good as it ever was. So, uh, Just a silly note to uh, bring it to a conclusion. Start this game on special dates. For example, on Christmas and on Halloween and on Valentine's Day... Just launch the game and look in free form what items are available. You'll be surprised. Ah, oh, there's Easter eggs? Yes, basically on, spoiler, on Christmas, there's a Christmas tree. On Valentine's Day, there's a Valentine's Day uh, balloon. Uh, I think hmm. there's even, isn't there even something for St. Patrick's Day, like a beer or something like that? Okay. I don't really remember. But you have extra items. That's pretty oh, cool. Oh, that's great. Isn't it crazy how this game was made by a single person in nine months and then he had time to add in these Easter eggs? Yeah, what? that's awesome. That's there's also apparently there's also some secret levels. Uh, I don't know how you unlock them, but you can unlock them with a, a secret code. That's pretty cool too. Oh, yeah, because you can save your progress. Um, mm -hmm. It gives you it, it it gives you these continue codes, right? Yeah, you can't really uh, save or load, but you can enter these codes that th that the game gives you, so you can uh, continue where you left off. So I'm not surprised that some of the codes are actually secret uh, cheat codes or yeah, unlock special things. But um, but these Easter eggs do they show up in the puzzles or just in the uh, freeform editor? Only freeform, as far as I know. Uh, hmm. That's pretty cool. Huh? Yeah. It's really cool. So, yeah, is there anything um, anything we haven't talked about? Anything we should say about this game? Uh, From my side, not directly. That uh, covers most of it. Okay. Well, then, I, I would like to thank you, uh, Oswald, Yay! for Thank it, you. Because I think uh, we one, had one, uh, one, loads one, of fun with this game. Wait a yeah. second. And it was really wait, good. Wait, a really hey, good wait suggestion. a second. That, 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 there's nothing left to say about the game, but uh, the game itself. Oh, but yeah, maybe we yeah, can yeah. talk no, about how you can get the, the game, thing. actually. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> okay, because I thought you were going to. No, the, no, I was just going to say thank you, uh, Otvar, for suggesting that we played this game because it was really <laughs> enjoyable. Um, but of course, there's club news. Uh, there's always club news. Not club news. Uh, uh, yeah, there is club news because we're playing. Um, Mr. Well, Mr. Martin, <laughs> please stop. We haven't talked I'm about where you can get the game. Oh, okay. I was That's what I wanted to say. I, I, it, it's not about the game itself, but it's uh, some meta information. So ah. let's, let's cover that really quick. It's, it's just uh, two sentences. <laughs> so, so, Florian, where can you get this game today? I'm so glad <laughs> you're asking. Um, um, actually, um, someone posted here you can download it in, in multiple sites for free. I don't know how legal that is, but there's also a version on archive.org, which is, I think, the Windows 3.1 version, mm. um, which should be the same game, I think. And you can actually buy it on uh, GOG as the Incredible Machine Mega Pack, which is not really expensive. It's like like four or nine euros. And it contains the even more Incredible Machine, which we talked about before, which is the first game plus some add-ons. And I think it contains um, the second game as well. Or maybe even the third. I'm not so sure about that right now. Hmm. And as I said before, on, on eBay, you can only find crap, basically. <laughs> Don't try that. Yeah. And please write to the good people working at GOG that I want Sid and Els Incredible Tunes, which is basically like a spin-off, also available on GOG. I want to buy this. <laughs> it's basically the same game 
done a year later by the same guys in a cartoon setting. Wasn't there? Yeah. Wasn't there one called um, the uh, Incredible Cartoon Machine or something? Huh. That's the one. That's the one. Okay. Oh no. No. Uh, I'm I'm not entirely sure. I'm up talking about this Sid and Al's Incredible Tunes. Okay. But with the Incredible Machine games. The names are all over the place. Actually, a game in the series later has been called, like, Professor Tim in Germany calls, like, The Incredible Machines, T-I-M. Yeah. They just rebranded it. I don't know why. I think that's the third game. I think the third game is called Tim's Incredible Machine. Yeah. Which is actually pretty funny. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. So, uh, you can get the original game on GOG. Uh, and also on on archive.org. Um, and there's loads of, of variations and spin-offs and sequels and all and, and even modern ones. So yeah. This is uh this is the mother to all all of this uh to this whole genre of games. Um so Florian. Uh-huh. Are we done now <laughs> with the incredible machine? <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> You tell me, you're the host. <laughs> so am I allowed to talk about other things I, I now? give you permission to talk about other things now. <laughs> okay, that's great. Um, because I was going to say that it is uh, January now, and it's the new year. So uh, yeah, we've survived 2017. That's, uh, that's an achievement. Um, and in January, we, we are playing uh, Heroes of Might and Magic, which... Uh, well, we had a vote on Twitter uh, with various uh, suggestions from the forum. Um, yeah, Heroes of Might and Magic turned out on top. So we're playing that one uh, this month. And it's it's relatively early in the month, actually, uh, because we've caught up on uh, with the schedule. So, uh, yeah, there's still time to play. So if you haven't already, then uh, go check it out. Dive in. Um, I think I think this is a great game. So uh, everyone should play it and, and share their thoughts uh, on the forums with us. Um, and if you, yeah. if you join on the forums, maybe we can get a multiplayer session going on. Mm, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, this game supports IPX networking and uh, uh, there's um, DOSBox supports IPX uh, over uh, IP something, some layer. So we can play over the internet. Uh, and because this is a turn-based game, that's uh, the lag should not be uh, a problem at all. So uh, yeah, we should definitely get a get a multiplayer session going. Really looking forward to that. Even people in Brazil can can join. Mm, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Um, but, uh, so ha- hang on. So this is the twelfth episode. So does that mean uh, Dos Game Club is one year old? No, not yet. Uh, not yet. No, we've actually we've done more episodes than one a month uh, because we've done the interview with the calls, which was oh, an yeah. extra episode, and uh, there was also one month where we had uh, two games, mm-hmm. uh, but we did make two episodes. Yeah. So this is why uh, it's already episode number twelve, even though we will uh, have our anniversary in uh, March. Mm-hmm. That's uh, when we will be one year old um and we will come to that actually but there's one month in between which is february of course and in february we're going to play uh transarctica and i keep saying the name the name <laughs> wrong uh, i keep saying antarctica or 
well, whatever. But it's actually Transarctica. It's also called Arctic Baron. Um, I don't know much about the game, actually. Um, Nobody does. Florian the, uh, suggested it, so maybe you can say something about it. Yeah, I can say the same thing I said in the last episode. Um, I remembered this game um, like like I barely remembered it. I just had some screenshots vaguely in mind and I googled the game for, for the things that I remembered in the screenshots and that's what came out. Um, it's basically a game where you're in a post-apocalyptic world and the, the world is frozen over and for some reason there's a complex rail system in the frozen world. And you have to drive or ride your train through this world and fight other trains and hunt mammoths uh, or gather resources and somehow win the game in a way that we will find out next month. Hmm. Hang on, you, you, have to ride your, you have to ride your train and fight mammoths. That sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. Uh, you don't fight them, you, 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 you catch them. Did I, did I say fight? You catch them. Well, either way, anything to do with <laughs> any fighting or catching on a train. Is Trains and mammoths, I'm sold. <laughs> there's a train and there's ice and there's mammoths. So this is, this is already really interesting. Um, I, I hear the controls for the game are terrible, but I guess we will find out. Hmm, yeah, I saw that... Uh, Twitter user uh, Dos Nostalgic, he wished us uh, good luck with this one <laughs> and uh, said that French games are not uh, the most playable ones in the world. So, yeah, I have no idea what we'll uh, get into, but um, we'll see next month. But, yeah, well, I'm, uh, the, it will, uh, we'll, we'll just see. That's what I wanted to say. We'll see. <laughs> right. Um... Now, uh, to get back to the uh, anniversary, uh, we should just mention this quickly. Uh, in March, we, uh, we will be one year old. The club will have existed for a whole year. We started out playing uh, Doom, which is, of course, a really... Yeah, that's a, that's a huge game. So, um, yeah, we thought we would do something uh, spectacular again for March. Um, now you have to help me out a little bit, Florian, because there's something going on and I'm not sure what. <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm, I'm not alone here. I have a friend with me who was directly involved in the game, mm. but maybe he can introduce himself. Okay. My name's Duke Nukem. <laughs> hey, welcome, Duke. <laughs> so, um, actually, Duke, are, are you going to play the game um, we're going to play in March 2? Mm, don't have time to play with myself. <laughs> so, uh, uh, as some people might have uh, guessed from <laughs> these samples, we're going to play Duke Nukem 3D, actually, in uh, March as our anniversary game, and I think it wow. will be great. Come get some. <laughs> well, this is really something, Florian. Uh, I think the Duke yeah, has to uh, go now. <laughs> yes. Hail to the king, baby. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, so uh, in March we will we will be playing uh, Duke Nukem 3D, which is of course uh, at least as epic as Doom, or maybe more, or maybe less. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. So that's what we're uh, that's what we're up to. <laughs> I see people in the Twitch chat, chat really loving the the celebrity guest you put on uh, Florian. So. Well yeah, done. I'm glad to have him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I think that wraps up the whole thing. Um, yeah. Please, uh, 
please come and, and play these games with us over on, uh, on dosgameclub.com and uh, discuss them on our forums because we use the forums uh, to make the topics that we uh, talk about in the, in the podcast. Um, you can also chat with us on IRC. We are on Afternet in the channel uh, DOS Game Club. Um, now, if IRC isn't really your thing, uh, we've put up a, uh, a chat thing on the website now. Uh, Florian did this, so uh, props to Florian. Uh, so yeah, you can just chat on the website and it works really good and it, and it looks like DOS, so it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, if that's your thing. Uh, we're uh, called DOS Game Club. Um, yeah, and then, of course, uh, these podcasts, which are also available on iTunes and other podcast aggregation services. So, yeah. And, and also on the uh, on the forum, there's also a uh, special um, uh, th- uh, forum f- um, thread where you can suggest games that ah, we can play. And uh, Definitely. Usually, uh, I think most of the games we have played so far have been suggested by a member. Totally. Yeah, I think at least nine of the games we played. Uh, some we just decided to play, but I think most were actually suggested. Definitely. So, so please share your suggestions with us. And yeah, it's really important because we are we are actually sitting in this shell where we know some of the games that we know and like. But actually, this club is to find out about games that we don't know about. Because how else could we find out uh, rather, uh, other than by suggestions exactly. from people? Exactly. But at some point, we do have to play Master of Magic. That's that's a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, so that's it. Um, thank you for for joining, uh, Otvar, Philip, and uh, and Florian and Richard. Uh, really cool that you wanted to be here and and talk with uh, about this game. Uh, I see people on the Twitch chat laughing for some reason. Uh, well, thank them anyway for for uh, joining us as well, and thank you for listening to the to this episode. And uh, I hope to see you again next time. Bye. 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 Thanks for having us. And sure. That's awesome.